0: Good friend Wendy, and you're listening to the Reaching Out with Reach podcast. This is the show that brings you discussions and topics surrounding our community, prevention, and recovery. Joining us today is Jennifer Hegland, our Director of Community Programs. Take
1: it away, Jen. Hey there. I'm Jennifer Hegland bringing you this month's episode. At Reach Council, I work closely with our Prevention Coalition, Reach Across Johnson County. Last month, the coalition worked with lots of community partners and organizations to hold our second annual Mental Health Conference. This year's theme was finding your strength. Today, I'm going to share the presentation given by one of our main stage speakers, Dr. Cassandra LeClaire. She is a communication professor, author, and motivational speaker, and an expert on communicating in relationships and improving connections. Dr. LeClaire's mission is to educate individuals on how to understand their communication patterns to enhance their personal and professional relationships. Her presentation resonated with me not only because of her vulnerability and sharing her own mental health journey but also because she provides a clear picture of the importance of taking care of yourself as an act towards being in community with others as we begin the holiday season and find ourselves surrounded by or missing those closest to us i hope you will find self-compassion encouragement and maybe even a bit of motivation in her message
2: i want to tell you a little bit about myself and what brought me here So I actually am a communication studies professor and I've had the wonderful fortune of teaching thousands of young Texans over the course of my career. I started at Texas State University and then I went to the University of Texas and then now I am currently at Texas A&M. So do I have any graduates of any of those programs or any fans? Okay, we've got some, right? So you understand that that's a lot of people to talk through over the course of my career. And one of the things that I really help people with is understanding how to use their voice, understanding how to talk about things that are bothering them in relationships, be it at home or at work. But I'm here to tell you that I didn't always know how to do that for myself. So one of the things that was so important for me to be here today is I went through the worst mental health crisis of my life while here in Texas. I've lived here since 2008. I've raised my kids here. Again, I've taught thousands of students. And with all of my credentials and education and training, I thought I knew what to do to get help when I needed it. But when I was going through this crisis and this trauma, I realized that even with great insurance and knowledge, it is not always easy to find the help that you need. There are wait lists. There are people who aren't taking new clients. There's a number of obstacles. So what I had to do is I had to go every single day and I sat at community mental health waiting for a trauma therapist. There were very few at the area I was living in and I knew that I needed that help, but I didn't know how to get it. So I wanna really applaud you for taking time to be here today and to soak in this information and to be around others who are working on these issues or working to bring mental health like out of the darkness and into the light and into our conversations because we as Texans, this is something we need to focus on. We need to have better access. We need to have better advancements and more awareness for everyone. So thank you so much for being here. So I said, you know, I went through a terrible mental health crisis, but a lot of times what people remember is that moment on the stage. They see this triumphant strong person who has overcome. But the overcoming part and the strength part and the standing up part usually comes afterward, right? When we're going through something, it is rare that we feel that strong. Other people might tell us, oh, you're so strong, you got through that. But internally, a lot of times we think, I don't, I don't really know how I did that. So what I wanna talk to you today is I wanna talk to you about what happens through that process when we're working to go through something and how do we really connect back to ourselves and then learn how to talk to other people in our lives about the things that we've experienced. So we're not all here for the same reasons today. Some of you are mental health professionals here for continuing education. Some of you are here because you've experienced mental health crisis in your past. Others of you might be here because people that you love and care deeply about are also experiencing mental health crises. So even though we are not all here for the same reasons, there are a few things that I know for sure. We've all experienced stress. We all understand what loss feels like. We've all had moments where we felt sad or where we felt rejected. But we have also all had moments where we have experienced joy and happiness and understanding and compassion. So when we're thinking about all of these things today, I want you to focus on all of your experiences. I might be standing up here, but I want you to be thinking about you, you, not me. I want you to think about everything that has brought you to this point, and I want you to think about the things that you want for yourself going forward. So what brought me to that moment when I was on the TEDx stage at Texas State University was that crisis I told you about. My family had been in a drunk driving accident, and even though I was minorly physically injured, what happened to me after that crash was a feeling that I couldn't go forward anymore. I felt completely broken. I felt like everything that I had tried to keep up with my whole entire life, I no longer had the energy for. So over the course of the year after that accident, is when I realized that I needed some help. And I had to confront some things that I had gone through in my childhood that at the age of, I was 39 at the time, I had never actually talked about. I had never spoken aloud to people. And I had never ever made it a point to understand how my past was impacting my present. So I was sexually abused as a child, but again, I didn't tell anyone. I instead made it my mission that that would not matter I took the words of my abuser, and I decided that I was going to prove him wrong, and people were going to love me, and I was going to be amazing, and I was going to be able to do whatever I wanted, and there was no way that what happened to me was going to define who I was. So I created a bunch of coping mechanisms that at the time got me through. You know, I'm going to people please so everybody loves me because my abuser told me that no one would love me. So look at how much everybody loves me. Or I'm going to go after achievement after achievement after achievement because I'm going to be awesome, and then I'm going to prove him wrong that way. But what happened over the course of several years and what happened over time is those things no longer became choices. They no longer became things that felt good to me. They became this obsession of things that I had to do or ways that I had to work to overcome, or things that I was doing to keep my anxiety at bay without really making any connection that the history in my past was definitely still showing up in my future. Not only in the ways that I was acting or doing for myself, but in my emotional reactivity to others, in the ways that I was choosing friendships, and in the ways that I also was parenting my children. All of these things, all of these anxieties. This is such an important topic for me to talk about because no one would have looked at me and guessed any of that. I still went to work every day, I still raised my kids, was still a member of my community, much like all of you in here. So when we're looking at people, you never know what has brought them here today. You never know what has brought somebody to the point that they're at, and you also never know what somebody's breaking point is going to be. That accident was not the worst thing that's ever happened in my life but it was the thing that broke me. So what I needed to do, is I really needed to pick up the pieces. I needed to figure out a way to move forward. And one of the things, again, I thought I was broken, and that's something that I hear a lot, oh, I'm just broken, I can't do this. So I wanna really encourage you today as we're thinking about this, not to think about yourself as somebody who's broken, or who can't be healed, who can't be fixed, or you've tried all these things, but how can you put your pieces back together and make yourself stronger than you were before? So this bowl up here is the bowl on the cover of my book. It's actually my bowl. I bought it, I own it. So this bowl is kintsugi pottery. And what that is is it's pottery that's been put back together with gold, again, because we can be stronger than we were before. And what I really had to do throughout this process is look at all of these pieces of my life and try to understand which ones I was pushing aside What parts of me was I no longer honoring because I didn't want to look at them? And it's so important for all of us to really consider the things that we aren't integrating into our stories, the things that we push aside or sweep under the rug because we think we should be able to get over them or that they don't matter. What we know from research, and most of us from personal experience as well, is that when we push things aside, they really don't go away. Most of the time they come back stronger and sharper than before or in ways that we don't recognize. So this is why you'll see people having reactions that seem to come out of nowhere or that seem like a little bit over the top for the situation, right? Okay, because usually there's something deeper there. So I'm really encouraging you and asking you to look at what's deeper there. What can make you feel like you can move forward in a way that doesn't leave you feel broken? What are some things that you can do to build yourself up and to feel that strength like you really do have ribbons of gold running through you? One of the biggest mistakes that I feel we make is by telling people, like my um, one of my least favorite phrases, in fact, is when we say, well, kids are resilient, they'll be fine. Okay? And I love to look at adults and say, well, how's that working out for you? You know, that resiliency thing. <laughs> okay. A lot of times we think that it's the going through something that makes us resilient, but it's not. It's how we process it and understand it and how we learn to move forward after that. So thinking about all of the things that made you broken, thinking about all of the stressors or times of trauma or crisis that you've had or that those people in your life have had, it's not that we have to sit and dwell on everything and look back into every single memory or every single piece that's happened to us but it's more of developing an understanding of how those things might be showing up in different interactions, okay? Sometimes things will come out with different people or at different times of day. So really looking to understand what are your patterns? What are the things that you don't talk about? Where are those missing pieces? So looking at your patterns, for example, it's not just about, oh, I do this poorly, or I do this well, it's really looking at those reactions. It's really looking to see, okay, how do I show up every day? Not only for myself, but for other people. And I have to tell you, most of the time, we're not very good at this, because we're not very honest with ourselves. So one of the things that I would encourage you to do, if you're curious about this process, is to journal. I know you've heard this before, right? So I want to take away some of the pressure of journaling. You don't have to have, you you were given a journal today, first of all, so there's one excuse down, okay? Like they actually gave you the tools to do this, right? But say you're driving and you don't have your journal and you can't journal but you're thinking about something. This is where the beauty of technology comes in, okay? So taking notes on your phone, okay, not writing on your phone while you're driving, we don't text and drive, but doing audio notes into your phone, whether it be through the Notes app or through the actual voice memos, is a wonderful way to release and process, okay? So one of the things also that I wanna talk to you about journaling, it's not where you have to just sit down and write pages and pages, or oh, I have to have this prompt, or it has to look perfect, or at the end of the day, I have to do this. Journaling gets to look how you want it to look. So that could be, I'm gonna write this down on my phone right now because I was real upset about it. It could be like, oh, I notice that every time I talk about money, I get stressed. Oh, I notice that every time I have to talk to that person, I'm angry, okay? Whatever those realizations are for you. So what I had to do is I really had to look at these patterns for myself. And over the course of that year, I journaled and journaled and journaled. And then I went back and I read my journals. And I'm a researcher at heart. So as I was reading those journals, I coded them. I used my life as data. And I got out my highlighters, and I coded them, and I made themes. And I was looking at those themes and reading it back, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I cannot be the only person who feels this way. So I decided, actually I didn't decide, I was called, I was told to write my journals into a book. And so this book became my healing process. It became these themes of things that I felt like I had to work through to move forward. It became a place where I finally recognized and acknowledged things, not only about my past and my abuse, but things that I was doing that were keeping me there. The ways that I was holding myself in anxiety, the ways that my PTSD was showing up every single day. And why this is so important is because for many of us, those things show up every day, but rather than address them, we had shame to ourselves for them. Oh, I should just get over this or oh, I feel bad or I shouldn't have done that. So instead of moving forward and instead of feeling better about the thing, we've just added more negativity and shame so then we're sitting in that space. So I also had to understand that for myself and I really had to move forward from this place where I felt like why can I do this so well for other people but I'm so terrible at doing this for myself? And I had to understand that part of it is that I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to move forward. I thought that if I addressed the things that were in my past, it would bring up stuff that I didn't want to think about. I thought that if I addressed the things that had happened to me, that then that would become all I could talk about or who I was. And I'm so much more than a kid who was abused. So this was hard for me to recognize how much holding on was holding me back. And I'm not telling you that you have to just get over something. I would never say that, okay? We don't have to get over the things that happen to us, but we can learn to release the power that they have on us. We can learn to understand that that thing that happened to us in the past doesn't have to rob us of our future, or doesn't have to have such a hold on us that we act in different ways or that we can't be ourselves or that we have to pretend to serve somebody else who doesn't align with who we are or our goals or our values or what have you. So when I say things like holding on is holding you back, that's not a flippant message to just, oh yeah, just get over it, get rid of it, let it go. It's more of an understanding of what are the pieces that you are holding on to so tight that they don't fit in your overall story that they don't feel like they're part of you because you have shame around them or they make you feel frustrated or sad or you don't like what you did. Okay, we all have actions and behaviors that we don't like about ourselves, but they're part of you just like all of those wonderful parts of you too. So really learning to understand how can we take everything and build upon it and get to this place of resiliency. So what resilience, resilience again, it isn't going through the thing It's about how we process it and move forward. So the beautiful part about having these understandings and recognitions and this awareness is that we can learn what helps us the most. If I understand how I show up in trauma or crisis or stress and I know what helps me get through that, then the next time I experience trauma, crisis or stress, I have a better understanding of how to help myself, okay? Because here's the deal, there is gonna be a next time. This isn't a one and done. Healing is not like a, oh, I did it, give me my gold star, sweet, I'm, a, I'm ready to go. It is a continual process that most of us will do for the rest of our lives. It is an active choice to want something different for ourselves. And so I'm sharing that with you because again, there are times in this where it can be discouraging or it can be frustrating or you can feel like you've tried everything and it's just not working but really being able to understand that every little step that you take is moving you forward. Everything that you're doing to put those pieces back together will make you stronger than you were before. So with this, we have to learn to embrace our past. We have to learn what pieces of ourselves we don't share with other people. And again, I'm not telling you in any way, shape, or form that you have to share everything that's ever happened to you. You don't owe anyone your story, and you only have to be as open about things as you want to be. But embracing our past really means, again, what has brought you to this point? What are the things that you're still carrying around? What are the things that if somebody knew all of them, you think that they wouldn't like you anymore, or they wouldn't wanna spend time with you, or they would think less of you? What are those things? Because that's the place where we're holding that shame, right? And I have to tell you, shame is one of the happiness killers. Okay? Holding on to that, even in small ways, prevents us from some of the beauty and the growth and the joy that I know that we can all experience. So learning to embrace our past for ourselves before we do it for other people, okay? A lot of times we get so focused on our external relationships and the ways that we have to show up for other people that we fail to show up for ourselves. So one of the things that I really want you to consider is what are the ways that you need to talk to yourself a little bit differently? What are the ways that you need to move forward and stop being toxic to yourself? So we teach kids to be nice to other people and you know the golden rule and all those things, but we don't really teach them how to talk to themselves kindly. We don't really teach that. And unfortunately, most of us start that negative thought pattern in childhood. And then by the time we're adults, we don't even realize the ways that we're doing it. So I had to sit and look. And for me, again, I like data. I had to count. Every day I counted how many times I said something negative about myself, okay? If I can't find my keys, which happens often, okay? Can't find my keys, oh, I'm so stupid. Why don't I put my keys in the right place? Oh, I lost a paper, oh, if I were just more organized, this wouldn't happen. So it's not just about the things that had happened in my past. It was a daily occurrence of the ways that I was downplaying my achievements, the ways that I was talking negatively about myself, or the ways that I was just, again, this sounds small, right? Oh, I'm being so stupid, or oh, this. Okay, first of all, if you say those things about yourself, you open up the field for other people to say them, right? Second of all, as you already know from the wonderful presentations before us, your brain believes what you tell it most. So what story are you feeding your brain? So if you have to count, like me, I did. I had to count. And it it, it was awful to really, oh, uh, did it again, did it again, did it again. But it was also very eye-opening for me. And it's something where then learning to talk to that voice was so important. Okay, so every time I would tell myself I was stupid, because it doesn't stop just because you're aware of it. That's the other piece of this, okay? I can teach you all about self-awareness, but that doesn't mean these things automatically stop. Oh, I'm aware, it's magic, okay? Sometimes the awareness is the hard part, because then you're like, oh, that's what's happening, Mm." okay? So I had to redirect, I had to talk to that voice. Okay, you're so stupid, no, you're not stupid. And sometimes it really was like a back and forth conversation with this inner critic, right? But over time then, that spiral, that I used to feel or that I would pull myself down into with those negative thoughts, it didn't take so long anymore. All of a sudden, over time, just by reminding myself that those thoughts weren't true, they happened less and less. Or when they do happen, sometimes now I'll even laugh, oh, that's silly, and then tell myself what's actually true. So again, one of the biggest steps that we can take if we want healthier relationships, if we want to be excel professionally, there's a number of outcomes here, is really learning how to talk to ourselves and understanding where it shows up for you because it doesn't show up in the same place for everyone. We don't all have the same triggers. We don't all have the same fears or worries or things that we are trying to overcome or get through. So along with stopping the toxicity that we have for ourselves. Another thing that we need to do is really understand how to bra- embrace self-compassion. Okay, so I'm guessing everybody in this room is really good at helping other people. That's probably why you're here. You're caring, you're empathic, you want everybody to live in a better place and you just want everybody to be happy, right? Does every- Who feels that, feels that, right? Okay, yeah, that's pretty, great. So, You can't help others and be responsive to them in a true and meaningful way unless you are also willing to help yourself. We've all heard that before, right? We've all heard the thing where you're on the plane and you put on your oxygen mask first, right? But yet in our daily lives, we don't do that, okay? Oh, the kids, oh, work, oh, my spouse, oh, my partner, oh, my friends. Instead of really understanding, we have to give back to ourselves. So I want you to look at the places that you're giving back to yourself. Where are they? Are they there every day? Not just like on a once a month, oh, I'm gonna go do something for myself, but really and truly every day, are you giving back to yourself? And a lot of times people, their favorite thing to tell me about this is like, oh, I don't have time. So then my favorite thing to do is say, okay, cool, open up your phone and show me on your history how much time you've spent on social media this week. There's your time, okay? Take five minutes of that from TikTok or whatever, right? So this is one thing too where again, we have to be more honest with ourselves. We have to really understand the power and control we have over our lives and over our situation without making excuses for ourselves, okay? We gotta give ourselves, at the same time we're embracing self-compassion, we have to do that in a real and honest way. What do I need? Who do I need to talk to about that? Who do I need to tell? So one of the reasons we don't do this is because, well, I don't wanna be needy. I don't wanna be needy. I don't want other people to think that I am just taking from them, or that I'm being selfish, or that I'm not you know X, Y, or Z. So here's what I wanna tell you about that. Having needs doesn't make you needy. It makes you human. We're all so afraid to admit the things we need But how many of you have ever, after you've been upset, how many of you have ever gotten mad at somebody because they didn't give you the comfort and support that you wanted? I sure have, okay. Well, did you tell them? Did you tell them what you needed? So often we get frustrated with other people because they don't show up for us or they don't love us in the way that we want or they don't support us in the way that we want or they don't tell us the thing that we need to hear. But when we really look at our own patterns and behaviors, it's rare that we've actually told them, hey, this is what makes me feel seen, heard, and valued. Hey, this is what I need in this moment. Hey, did you know when you do this, that doesn't make me feel better? So this is something I had to learn a little bit for myself. I have a good friend, she's been my friend for years, and whenever I was having a hard day or something bad happened, I would reach out to her and I would, I would always be upset with what she would text back. Because when I am upset, most of the time, at first, the first thing I want is for somebody to empathize. Be like, oh, I'm so sorry, or to give me a hug, and to kind of like poo-poo me a little bit, and make me feel better. That's what I like, first thing. That's not what this friend does. She's a tough love kind of person. So her first response always would be like, well, here's what you should do, or this is why that's no big deal. And then I would feel frustrated, so instead of feeling better after I reached out to her, I felt worse. She's not a bad person. She's a wonderful friend. It's just that in this one key area, it wasn't what she could do. So guess what I had to do? Find someone else to talk to about that thing and then know when I need tough love, I go to that friend. This is what you need to do as well. No one person can be all the things for you. It's too much pressure, okay? So really understanding who are the people that can support you in a variety of different ways. Where are the places where you can feel seen, heard and valued and you can articulate that and get that back? It doesn't mean that you will have to cut everybody out of your life. Some of you might have some shifts and changes of relationships, but what it does mean is you're going to get better at understanding who gives you the things that you need at the time that you need them, okay? So again, with building resilience, what do I need in this moment? Sometimes you might just need to laugh. So who's the friend that makes you laugh all the time? You call them up, right? So really understanding your patterns, understanding your needs is going to help you get better support. The other thing that this is gonna help with that makes me really excited is this helps with, I keep pushing the wrong button, this helps with our communication and our connection to others. We're wired for connection, we're wired for relationships, But so often when we're hurting or when we're stressed, we isolate or we pretend we don't have things going on because again, we don't want to burden somebody else, we don't want to bother them, we don't want them to think that something's wrong with us, right? So one of the ways that we have to get better to build more resiliency is we have to figure out ways that we can communicate with other people. What are the things that make you feel seen, heard, and valued? And who in your life is already doing that for you? What are the areas where you don't feel that? And are there steps that you can take to ask for that or to communicate that to other people? When we fail to put all of our past and when we fail to have boundaries and we fail to articulate our needs, typically what happens in relationships is we have resentment, okay? Because we're resentful at other people for not understanding us. We're resenting other people for not helping us. We resent other people for not knowing that they should be helping us. So again, the quickest way to move through that is you have to learn to tell them. And then you gotta watch too, okay? Cause not everybody, or ask them, don't tell them. You gotta be a little nicer about it, okay? So one of the things though that then to watch is who pays attention to when you say those things? Who actually listens? Who's being respectful? Who's helping you through those things? Or who's willing to understand and respect and maintain your boundaries versus the people who ignore them, versus the people who push them aside? So really understanding for yourself too, connection, what does that mean to you? And what do you need from a friend? What do you need from a romantic partner? What do you need from a work colleague? And understanding, going back to everything that Alex and Jess said as well, going back to what are my goals? What are my values? What can I do to help myself in this moment? So one of the things that we can all do to bring ourselves a little bit more forward is we have to learn to use our voice, okay? I say I became a communication studies professor Because I wanted to help other people use their voices because I didn't know how to use my own. And I still think that oftentimes. I still think that I'm a lot better at helping other people with their relationships or with their things. And then kind of not understanding how to do it for myself. I think I keep pushing the wrong button. Sorry. Oh, there we go. Okay. So what does using your voice mean? Again, it doesn't mean that you have to share everything that's ever happened to you. Being vulnerable does not mean always sharing your deepest, darkest secrets with everyone. Being vulnerable is being willing to be open regardless of the feedback that you're gonna get. That's vulnerability. You say something, you put it out there, and you don't know what you're gonna get back. And that scary feeling that lives inside of you when you're waiting for somebody to give you appropriate feedback, that's the feeling of vulnerability. Okay, so really understanding where are the spaces where you've been afraid to use your voice. What are the storylines that you're telling yourself like, oh, I can't talk to this person about this because then they're going to say that or they're going to have this reaction. Where is that showing up for you and learning how to understand to articulate what it is that we need so we can get those things from our relationships. And so as I said earlier, this isn't, (laughs) it sounds so easy when I say it. You know, I can come up here and say some little quotes and be like, oh yeah, just go do this. Go think happy thoughts, tell people what you want, it's great, everybody's gonna get what they need, okay? Well, that's fake, and I'm not here to lie to you. So instead, what I wanna tell you is that it's gonna feel scary sometimes. It's not always gonna feel comfortable. But you have to remember how protective your brain is. Your brain's job is to protect you, right? So sometimes it's gonna tell you something is scary and you shouldn't do it, and you need to tell it, hey, I'm gonna do this anyway, even though I am a little scared. A lot of times, the reason that things are difficult or challenging for us in communication, especially, is because we haven't done them before. Of course, they're scary. And then you do it a few times, or you open up a little bit here, or you tell somebody else what you need, and all of a sudden that thing that was so scary becomes a little smaller. Difficult conversations don't get easier if we ignore them. So really understanding for yourself, what are the things that I can talk about, who are safe people, where are the places that I can go to build resilience for myself when I need to speak to somebody. And then the flip side of that too is really also understanding how can I show up for other people? How can I be responsive in a way that feels good to them? How can I make sure that nobody else feels like some of the ways that I have felt when I've been trying to build resilience or when I've been trying to move through things? So what I am hopeful about is I would really like to think about all the ways that we can do this on a daily basis. Okay, I've put some things up here in my breakout session we're gonna keep talking about more, but some of the really tangible next steps of things that you can do, and there's a, again, you can get the QR code and get the copy of the slides, there's one on the next page as well, but really thinking about what does this look like for you? Okay, I can't give you a prescription of how healing looks for you. I wish I could. I wish I could tell you this is exactly what you need to do. But the reality of it is, is we're all different. The reality of it is, is that we need to do some trial and error as well. So it might mean that you need to try new things. It might mean that you need to look at your coping mechanisms, okay? Amazon is not a healthy coping mechanism for me. Okay, just FYI. Okay, we talk about numbing out. It's not just drugs and alcohol, people. It's also online shopping. So thinking about the ways, again, when are you, have you been scrolling your phone and scrolling your phone and scrolling your phone? And are you really present? Are you there? Are there other things that you could be doing? Really understanding how can I be present for myself? So you have to recognize your experiences. You have to understand your patterns. And you have to rewrite that story, people. Okay, again, your brain believes what you tell it most. So what story are you feeding it? And what would happen if you started giving it new information and creating a new story? What would that look like? And then again, embracing that self-compassion, looking at the ways that, okay, I can talk to myself a little bit nicer here, or I can give back to myself in this way, or I just did this laundry list of things for somebody else, but what did I do for myself today? So when we're thinking about how to build on our resilience, how to move forward, how to do all of these things, My biggest piece of advice for you, and it's appropriate that we're here in this setting, is you have to give yourself grace. You have to give yourself grace. This is not an easy process. So whether it's you who needs to hear this message today, or whether you are taking this back with the people that you help, with the people that you work with, with the people in your life, recognizing and understanding that sometimes it is two steps forward and one step back. Or there are gonna be days where that spiral it feels like so big that you can't get out of it. And understanding that those things are part of the process and it does not mean you are broken. So I'm, again, so thankful that I was able to be here with you today. I really um, want to encourage you, whatever pieces of you you're looking at right now or whatever thoughts you have that are creeping into your head, I want you to also remember to challenge yourself every time you have a negative thought. Replace it with a positive one. It might feel silly at first, but then by the end of the day, you're going to start to notice a shift. So again, you're not broken. You're whole and you are beautiful and you are wonderful. And I'm so grateful that I got to spend time with you today. Thank you.
0: Wow, what a powerful message. Guys, I encourage you to take this message and send it to your friends who could benefit from hearing this as well. Well, that about wraps up our episode. As always, if you're wondering how you can help, you can join our coalition meetings. You can also support our youth and family programs with a tax-deductible donation or food gift cards. And if you have any questions, you can email us at info at dot That's I-N-F-O at R-E-A-C-H-C-O-U-N-C-I-L.org. Or you can follow us at reach council on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks for listening to our show. Stay tuned for ongoing monthly podcasts from our REACH teams on all things prevention and recovery. So remember, life is full of choices, so choose happy and choose healthy. Bye.